So today as we begin this new series, you might be wondering why I've got an assistant on stage today. Um, understanding as a follower of Christ that Jesus came and he gave his life for you and I that we might be saved on all of eternity. Uh, but knowing that if Jesus' only intent and objective was to come and to save us, it would make so much more sense that the moment we placed our faith in Jesus, he scoops us right up and takes us into the safety and the eternity that is heaven. But we're still here. And if we're still here, then we can trust a few things. We can trust that God has a plan to transform us, to transform us from death to life, to transform us from broken to restored, to transform us from bondage from freedom, to transform, transform us from wandering to very well living out the plan and the purpose that God has for our life. And all the remaining days that we have on planet Earth, God has a trajectory in mind for us, a destination. We're in a series from here to there. God's got a plan and a purpose for our life to take us from where we are now to look more and more like Jesus every day, every week, every year. Last week, if you were here, if you, if you missed it, uh, we talked about the importance of putting boundaries or rumble strips in our life to keep us on course. And I don't have time today to go back and summarize it, and I don't do this very often, but I would strongly encourage you, if you didn't get to join us last weekend, to go back through the website or through our app and just watch that sermon, because it kind of sets the stage for where we're going today. But we're going to take our, our boundaries of last week, and we're going to put them on steroids. That's a terrible analogy. We're going to put them in a stronger position. We're going to move from boundaries to barricades. Yeah, that's the response I thought I'd get with this. Perfect. Uh, barricades are, are roadblocks or barriers that we put in place to keep us from traveling into dangerous roads or into destructive areas. Um, I'll give you a real quick example, and if you've paid attention to politics over the last few years, you'll, you might remember. Um, a, an example of a barricade. 2017, former governor of Indiana, Mike Pence, had just been installed as the vice president of the United States. And a nationally known newspaper, a nationally known article is published about how awkward it is that as a grown man that Pence would adhere to the, what was known as the Billy Graham rule. Now, if you don't know the Billy Graham rule, kind of settle on a couple things. It's a, an internal or a personal conscious policy that they had put in place for things like never eat alone with a woman in public or never really eat alone with a woman altogether without your wife being present or to never go to an event that served alcohol without his wife by his side. And if you remember when the story came out, it went viral really quickly and kind of like most things do, it polarized people. Either some people were a big fan of, oh, man, it's so great. You're, you're, you're protecting the safety and sanctity of your marriage. It's so beautiful. To the other extreme of people who were appalled by the fact that a grown man would be so fleshly-minded or whatever the words they use or the names they use to describe this personal policy. This wasn't something he was implementing for all people he would lead, just a personal policy that I want to protect my marriage. In fact, I would take it a step further, and I'm going to put boundaries and barricades in place so I can even protect the image of what might look like being unfaithful to my wife. He said, I've installed this barrier. Billy Graham started, he said, I've installed this barrier, this layer of protection, this, this thing that will block the exit ramp and detour me from the trajectory of getting to the there. So I've closed that road. I've predetermined that this road is closed. Now, I'm not here today to debate the pros and the cons of the Billy Graham rule, but I am today hopefully to get us to realize and to think about the times in our journey of becoming more like Jesus, of living out the call that God's got on our life and the countless exit ramps that we will pass on the journey. Some so easy to drive right past, and some will always pull us to get off the road. The roads that take us off the path of becoming more like Jesus. Every day it contains intersections that will tempt us to take an alternate route and not arrive at the there that God has. If I was going to summarize today, like the aha moment, the preacher's supposed to wait till the end of the sermon for this, I'm going to give it to you early, and then we'll chew on it. The aha moment is I need to make it hard for myself to turn into sin. If I don't want to veer off the road that I'm on into sin, I need to make it hard for myself and the people I love to not 
veer off the road and turn into sin. And we know that this is a spiritual battle because of the complexity of it. For example, we know that in culture, the culture wants to shame us for putting barricades in place. What do you mean you won't go there? What do you mean you won't watch that? What do you mean you won't do that, drink that, eat that? What do you mean? What's wrong with you? But the same culture that shames people for putting barricades in place is also the same culture that shames people for getting out of bounds. I can't believe you would do that. I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to mess up. I can't believe both. Why? Because culture doesn't really care about our boundaries or our barricades. Culture is content with blurred lines because blurred lines lead to beautiful drama. And we live in a culture that loves to promote drama, the excitement of tearing someone else down to make ourselves look even better. Barricades, definition we're going to use for today. A barricade is a specifically placed obstacle or a policy that prevents access or impedes you from traveling down that road. What's that road? Any exit ramp that takes you off the path that God has before you. Any intersection that you might be tempted to turn onto that would detour you from the there that God has for you. Let's just be real about barricades for a moment. They're not pretty. They're not glamorous. They're not popular. There might even be people that say things like, barricades just make life boring. Now, let's be real. Barricades in our life will never be celebrated. You're never going to see the little quick infomercial, the clickbait that says, hey, you want to be successful in life? Put some barricades in place. But we know if you've used them, if you've ever put barricades in place in your life before, the more often you use them, the more it saves you from a life of regret and regret and regret. In fact, if I was speculating, I think I have pretty fair reason to believe that for most of our biggest regrets in life, probably could have been prevented if we would have had some barricades installed in our life at that point of our life. See, pastor, I knew it. I knew when my grandma brought me to church when I was four years old and that church was all about thou shalt not. I knew that's all church was. Church was just a bunch of lists and rules, things we can't do, taking all the fun out of life. Church is just a giant fun sucker. Am I right? Except for we know, if we stop and think about it for a minute, we we know people, you know someone, maybe you are someone who, who saw relationships torn apart that could have been salvaged, that could have been saved, that could have thrived if there was barricades in place before they got to the decision in the road. We know someone who's had such a struggle in their life because of a turn that they took months, years ago. We know families and relationships that if they just would have put personal rules in place, policies in place, that they might not be where they are now because it would have protected them from veering off the road that they were on. Maybe you grew up in a home where maybe one or both of your parents made choices, took directions that was so difficult in your family that made life for you, at least for a portion of it, so hard. And you know if you could go back in time and you could put a barricade in place for them, you'd be in a completely different spot and they might be in a completely different spot. Here's the thing. You, you can't change your past, but you don't have to repeat it. You can't change what happened to you, but you don't have to relive it. You too can prevent forest fires. I got real serious right there. I needed to soften that. We're not to the serious part yet. Stay with me. But here's the thing. Like, we can rest assured that in the spiritual journey from here where we are to becoming more like Jesus, the enemy that we have, the spiritual enemy, has nothing more that would satisfy him than for you to detour from the path that God has set before you and the purpose that God has laid ahead of you. That if we can distract or disrupt or nudge or run you off the road into a different intersection, to a different path, he wins barricades prevent us from taking the exit ramp to the wrong road. Barricades make it hard for me to turn to sin. 
Paul, the guy that writes so much of what we read in the New Testament, Paul is so good at giving practical instruction to living on the trajectory that God has laid out before us. He writes this letter to Christian folks and it circulates all throughout Ephesus. Ephesians chapter five and starting in verse 15, he says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. What's he saying? Be careful how you live. What's he saying? Make wise choices. Be cautious and conscious of how you decide and choose. Be careful how you proceed. Be careful how you make the decisions that you make every day. The English, English Standard Version I often use as a reference, it says, so be careful how you walk. And every time I'm reminded of this verse, I'm reminded of growing up. One of my chores growing up on the farm was to always go out once or twice a day and check the cows. And if you've ever been around cows, they are known for two things, eating a lot and pooping a lot. And not just little tiny dog poops, like massive landmines. And every time I would go out to check the cows, I can assure you I was very careful of how I walk. Because you don't want to track this back in your mom's house and get it on mom's carpet because mom will lose her. No, mom loved me. She was good. She was kind. Man, you don't want to bring poop back in the house. Am I right? So what do you do? You're very careful how you walk. And yet so many Christians, Jesus loves me. We don't pay attention to how we walk. Paul says, so be careful how you walk. What's he saying? Don't make foolish choices. Live like the people who are wise. What do wise people do? The thing that defines wisdom, they make wise choices. Nowhere in all of scripture, not one place in this entire book does it say something like, just follow your heart. Do whatever feels good to you. Just do whatever makes you happy. Not one single place. No, the, the standard for living in all of scripture is, what does wisdom require? What would the wise choice be? What would be the thing that is includes the most wisdom? And what I can't understand is how that too is so countercultural. Like, like in my mind, it makes so much sense. Even for someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, if I want the best version of me to be, then why don't I take that in consideration when I make the choices I make on a daily basis? Like, is this decision the wisest choice that I could make? Is this choice, is this, is this road that I'm about to take, will it get me to the best possible future version of myself or not? Will this lead me to a version of a better me or a, better, a version of more regret? And he continues on, he says, make the most of every opportunity. And what gets me so worked up sometimes as Christians, we wanna make the wise choice. And because we so badly wanna make the wise choice, we're content to hide over here in the corner in fear that we might make the wrong one. And Paul doesn't say, hey, sit back and wait and wait and wait and wait. He says, make the most of every opportunity. It doesn't say sit on the sidelines. In fact, quite the opposite. Making the most of every decision is making the decision, predetermining how you're gonna go before you arrive at the impasse or the intersection. Why? Because we live in evil days. I mean, the reality that Paul wrote this nearly 2,000 years ago doesn't change a thing because I don't know if you're anything like me, but sometimes I find myself scrolling through some news on my device and just thinking, these days are evil. There is so much evil going on in our world. Paul, Paul continues on. Verse 17, he says, so don't act thoughtlessly. What's that mean? Think before you act, but understand what the Lord wants you to do, which is, that's an odd instruction. Like anybody else have little kiddos and like they're doing math and you used to do math, but now math is different because now it's new math. 
And what used to be, how do you get 100 divided by 5? It's 20, I understand. Now it's like 100 divided by 5, so 10 divided by 5, and 0 divided by 5, and then add 10 plus 1 minus 3, round the 6, 20. Like it's 14 steps to get there. And sometimes with my fifth grader, I'm trying to teach her how to do new math, and I'm trying to learn how to do new math on my own, and I'm explaining it to her. And after like two hours, I, I'm sure you're patient. I'm, so, I'm positive that as you teach your kids and grandkids, you're so patient. I'm not. Sometimes I just want to stand up and be like, just understand it. What a weird instruction. And then she wouldn't be like, oh, okay, you told me to understand it. So since you instructed me to understand, now it makes sense all of a sudden. That's not what Paul is writing. He says to understand this imperative, be ready to realize the difference between right and wrong. Be ready to recognize the difference between right and wrong. If you were here last week, be ready to be honest with yourself at gut level honesty. To, to understand means you can no longer lie to yourself and expect to get different results. Know what the wise choice is. Understand, know what the wise choice is and know where you will be tempted the most to veer off course. And then Paul goes on and he offers what some people believe is a very specific barricade to put in our lives. But I tend to believe that it's more of an example, a model of how this is the formula for putting barricades in your life. Verse 18, he says, don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. But here's what I believe he's saying. Here's an example of a barricade that once you cross it will just lead to one thing after another of destruction. Here's a barricade or a barrier that if you cross this line, it will prove to you how much more damage you will continue to do as you continue down that path. Now we could camp here in this specific example for a minute because I think we probably know somebody who got drunk and made a choice and destroyed a relationship. We probably know somebody who got drunk and made a decision and altered the rest of their life. We probably know somebody who got drunk and made an impaired decision and ruined someone else's life. But I don't believe that Paul was just warning us about drinking. But, but he says it clearly. He says, don't get drunk for it will ruin some or all of your life. I think what he was really giving us is an algebra problem. Find or, or solve for X to find Y. Don't be blank because it will lead to blank. Don't be drunk because it will ruin your life. Don't be greedy because it will ruin your relationship with your kid. When you're greedy and you're trying to work all the extra hours to make all the extra money so that you can provide for your kids, but then you're not spending time with your kids, don't be greedy because it'll ruin your relationship with your kids. Don't be unfaithful to your spouse because it'll ruin your relationship with your spouse. Don't flirt with other people of the opposite sex because it will lead you to make decisions and one thing leads to another that ends up ruining your family. Don't get high because high will cause you to lose your hopes and your dreams and your plans for your future. Don't be on your device when you're feeling lonely because it will cause you to distort and to pervert the, th the very thing that God called to be intimate between husband and wife. Fill in the blank. Don't do this because it leads to this. And you know that if I'm tempted here, it will cause this. And it leads to sin and sin will ruin your life and it will ruin your marriage and it will ruin your future and it will ruin your faith. Well, let's just answer the question then, Pastor. Should a Christian drink or not? Well, that's a question for another day. But we'll answer this question. Should a Christian be drunk? Absolutely not. Because being drunk, being drunk, Paul says, is a barricade not to cross. Why? Because when I get drunk, I make poor decisions, and I lose control, and I have actions that I'll regret, and all of those things, any of those things, will ultimately ruin all or some of your life. And I'll go a step further. If you're one of those people that one drink is like getting on a sled at the top of the hill, 
And once you have that first drink and get on the sled and you start to go down, you can't stop until you crash through the barricade at the bottom. Then take that barricade and move it far enough back that you're not tempted to have that first drink. Take that barricade and put it far enough back. We're not just talking about drinking. If it's being around somebody from the opposite sex, if it's doing things that will cause you to be greedy, take that barricade and move it so far back that you're not tempted to get on the, t- the hill, the sled at the top of the hill and ride all the way down through the barricade. If one drink causes more drinks, the more drinks causes you to be drunk. Being drunk causes poor decisions and poor decisions causes you to ruin your life. Put the barricade back. And Paul would say it like this. Stop trying to fool yourself. Stop trying to say it's gonna be fine. Stop trying to say, I can do this. History would prove to you that you can't. History would prove that once you start, you can't stop. But this time will be different. History would prove to you, you've seen friends around you make horrible choices because they they ran through the barricade. Yeah, but I'm gonna be different. History would tell you, you've, you've seen family members who made horrible choices, who veered off the road. Yeah, but pastor, I'm different. I can put the barricade right up here next to the line. I'm different. I'll always be in control because I am invincible. And if you're invincible, I am Iron Man. We, we have this idea. We've watched superhero movies for so long that we begin to think that we might, in fact, be invincible. Real talk. Maybe you grew up in a home where mom or dad both struggled with substance abuse. And it ruined their life and maybe even for a season ruined your life. And yet for some reason we think that won't happen to me so I can do that. Maybe you had that family friend or that family that was a friend of your family and and one of the parents in that family got too friendly with somebody who wasn't in their family and it ripped their family apart and then your family got to watch it happen and help deal with the damage. But I can do it and nothing bad will happen to my family or happen to me. We've seen people crash right through the barriers of life that lead to destruction, and we still think it's not going to happen to me. I don't need a barricade there. I'm invincible. I can do no thing bad that will ever allow that bad thing to happen to me. I can, I can do this, and nothing bad will ever happen, said every single person right before they crash through a barricade. If I want to get from here where God has me to the there that God has for me, the road will get difficult at times. There will be exit ramps that look attractive. There will be exit ramps that look like they will be a joy to take the stop by. There are are going to be detours that look so tempting. And if we don't install the barriers where we're going to be tempted and the barricades where we're going to feel led to leave, we'll always take in the exit ramp and it'll be too late. Paul continues, don't be drunk with wine because it'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God. It's when we put our faith in Jesus, he sends his spirit to live in us. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who taps on our shoulder when we hear the rumble strips of last week telling us, hey, you're getting off course. Your emotions are getting out of control. You know this isn't the place to be. It's the conviction you feel when you, when you hear that voice that says, you don't want to do that. It's that sense that you get when you, when you recognize, hey, 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 this is a bad idea. Don't go through with this. You know where that leads to. You know the regret that's going to come tomorrow. You know this is just wasting your life away. You know this is going to ruin part of your life or hurt the people around you. It's the Holy Spirit that reminds us, hey, doing this is never going to get you there. It's going to get you somewhere, but not the there that God has for you. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but those who are wise make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Three thoughts I want to give you today. Three thoughts about how to live carefully. Do what the Lord wants you to do. Number one, 
I need to know where I need barricades. As unique to the fingerprint that you have on your finger, each one of us have strengths and weaknesses. And as people, we love to talk about our strengths and we love to avoid talking about our weaknesses. The truth of the matter is there are some sins that I will never struggle with. There are some sins that I may struggle more than most. Much of what we learn in the scripture as we read through is teaching us right from wrong. It's teaching us sin from righteousness. It's very clear. But one of the most amazing gifts of having the Holy Spirit on the inside of me is it doesn't just help me to see that. It helps me to see where I'm most vulnerable at. The Holy Spirit will help to, to show me where I'm gonna be given to temptation to exit the road that God has in store for me. So Jesus explains it like this, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. Jesus says, keep watch and pray. I love that he clearly articulates both. It's not just put up barricades, and it's not just, we'll pray about it, and it'll get better. He says, keep watch, protect yourself, and pray, so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The spirit is willing to show you this is where you're going to be tempted. The spirit is willing to show you this is where you're weakest. The spirit is willing to convict you. This is where you're starting to drift off the road. But my body, the desires of my flesh, they cause my body to be weak. I'll give you a real life example. Every time I do a fast, the beginning of the year or any point in the year, Speedway is the most convenient gas station to my drive. Like it's most convenient because it's closest to my house, closest to my office, and fairly close to where I drop my kids off at school. Like it is the most convenient gas station for me to go to. So outside of times of fasting, that's typically where I go. But when I'm on a fast, I fast from Speedway. That seems weird, right? Let me tell you why. Um, not because of anything that they do, but Speedway serves Krispy Kreme donuts. And Krispy Kreme donuts never align with my time of fasting. And I know, I know that if I go to Speedway, I'm gonna be tempted to go inside and walk right past that nice, clear plexiglass case and see that raspberry veil. Where, amen, thanks for coming today. We need to put barricades in place for the things where we know we'll be most tempted to go. This is not gonna earn me any popularity whatsoever. Parents, you have a responsibility to install barricades for the kiddos that you're raising. We have a responsibility to put restrictions in place that may not be popular, that may not be winning us any awards for popularity and everybody wants to do what his mom and dad do, but they're necessary for our kids to be protected. We need to make it difficult for our kids to sin. But nobody else has screen time on their phone, says every kid who doesn't want screen time on their phone. But nobody else, or, but everybody else gets to. Parents don't fall for it. Be strong in the convictions. You see, here's the thing. The same Holy Spirit that will nudge and bump and, and guide you into making wise choices and putting good barricades and guardrails in your life will do the same for how you raise up your kids, if you'll listen. And until they're mature enough to realize with wisdom the need they have to put restrictions in their own, don't just be the roadblock commissioner of your house. Be the teacher of your house that shows your young people why we need them. Talk about the wisdom that comes from blocking roads that will veer us off course into becoming what God has created us to be. Explain to them the reason behind why we do it and why it's so imperative that they learn on their own why they need barricades as well. Why? The days are evil. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse six says, train up your child in the way that they should go, and when they're older, they will not leave it. 
train up your child does not just mean put rules in place and then step back and say, because I said so. Train up your child means to teach them this is what we're gonna do and here's why. And then model it for them and show them God has so much more in store for you. Don't let a poor decision today lead to a regret that disqualifies you tomorrow. Put these boundaries and barricades in place so that you can continue to follow after Jesus because he's got so many great things ahead for your future. Number two, understand the barricades, playing off what Paul said. Well, it seems like for the past, I don't know, five or six years, the bridge right there on 26 and 931 has been closed. I mean, it seemed like every time I needed to go anywhere, if you're on South Campus, literally anywhere you go besides Indianapolis was a detour. The number of times I left this campus, left the office to go to a meeting and got two seconds out the door and realized I'm at the stoplight that's once again closed. What am I doing here? Now I'm late. Now I'll take a detour. Now I'm frustrated. But once, after a month or two, I finally got accustomed to the blockades and barricades that were right there at the stoplights. I started to adjust when I needed to leave to get to a meeting. I started to plan ahead about how I was gonna go, the direction I was gonna leave. I'll offer this, that having the barricades and the roadblock in place was never convenient, but it wasn't put there for my convenience. It was put there because they're working on a bridge that was no longer safe for me to drive on. And once I understood the why behind why the barricade exists and I structured my life in a way that even though it was a detour, it didn't make things harder than they should be, I realized this spiritual concept. Not one place in the scripture. Not one place in the scripture do we see God taking consideration what's most convenient for us when making decisions. But all throughout scripture, Jesus would teach us wisdom is a big deal. Wisdom never hinges on what's most convenient. Wisdom hinges on what's right. Wisdom hinges on what's best for you and the future version of you. Barricades in your life will never be designed for your convenience. They will never be put in place for you to think, oh, this helps, until you understand the necessity of this helps because it doesn't allow me to go down the path that I shouldn't have gone. Barricades exist for your safety for our safest passage to the future destination in the best possible manner. Paul says, understand what the Lord wants you to do, which I think implies also to understand what the Lord does not want you to do. One of the most common questions that I think I've ever received as a pastor, especially with young people. Hey, so real talk, like how close can I get to sin without actually being sin? Like how far can I go with my boyfriend or girlfriend before it's too far, you know, like, 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 how selfish can I be before it actually becomes I'm a greedy person? You know, like, like, how many drinks before I'm actually drunk? Like, how close can I get to the line without crossing the line? Whoop, whoop. I'm not crossing it. No sin here. I'm good. I'm good, right? How close can I get? I mean, Stephen Tyler, he gave us like a theme song for, for generations, right? Like, living on the edge. It's the motto of our culture. Let's get as close to the sin as we can. Can I tell you that what the Lord wants you to do is never integrated with get as close to sin as you can without crossing the line? That what God wants you to do is never to take in consideration how close you can get and still balance not crossing over. If I'm chasing after Jesus, if I'm pursuing the trajectory that God has set out in front of me, then I'm far less concerned with how close I can get to the barricade without bumping the barricade and far more concerned about staying in the, in the sweet spot of the road where I can travel the fastest to safely get to the destination, to the there that God has set ahead of me. Living on the edge is just clickbait. If you take this exit, life will be beautiful for a moment. You'll enjoy it for a second and then it goes away and you regret it. Instead, I could care less about where that barricade is. 
when I know that it's there for my protection. Because my job is not to try to drive up as near as I can to it, but to stay in the sweet spot of the road, chasing after Jesus. And another letter Paul writes, and he gives this, this really, I think, clear instruction of where to put a barricade and the significance of why it is. But there again, it's a formula for what we do with all the barricades in our life. First Corinthians chapter six, beginning in verse 18, he says, run from sexual sin. No other sin, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe my Greek translation got off. But run from does not sound anything like get as close to the line as you can. Run from sounds much more like the bears got out of the captivity cage at the zoo, and I don't have to be faster than the bears, but I need to be faster than you. Run from. The ESV, we referenced it already. The ESV says, translates to free from. Free from. Flee from. That's the letter I was looking for. Flee from. Flee means to avoid at all costs. It means to, to veer away from at all costs. But, but in the culture we live in, we don't adhere to flee from sexual immorality. We, we adhere to flirt with sexual immorality. Am I right? Like, like find out what you like and find out what you enjoy and get as close to the line, maybe dabble over a little bit, not too far, but flirt with it. Get close to it. Paul says no other sin. He sets sexual sin as a category all to its own. Why? Because no other sin affects your body the way sexual sin does. He continues verse 19. What seems like a different direction, what seems like a very specific barricade and then taking a different turn is actually so beautifully integrated together if we understand the full picture of what he's trying to tell us. Verse 19, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself for God bought you at a high price. So you must honor God with your body. When you understand the barricade, this isn't just thou shalt not sin sexually. This is your, your body is a sacred place. Your body and my body, God established this as a sacred place to house the Holy Spirit. And when I know who I am and whose I am, when I understand that the creator of the universe loved me so much that he came to live with me, that, that God considers this sacred vessel something to honor him with, that we aren't just animals or slightly more advanced mammals, but they were uniquely and specifically designed by the God of the universe who breathed every star into existence and who wants to be in an intimate, unique, specific relationship with each one of us, who wants what's best for us, who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. When we understand we were created in the image of the God of the universe who has sent his spirit to live in us, wow, he did that for me. When I understand what God, the length that God went to to show his love for me, it's no longer, how close can I get to the line without actually sinning against God? It's, oh my goodness, I am so grateful for the goodness and the grace and the love of my God that I just want to chase after him. Forget about getting close to the line. Jesus, I just want you. Which means if we're going to get there, we got to get to number three to reinforce the barricades. The difficult reality about sin is that if I want to sin bad enough, no barricade's really going to stop me. Parents, if you don't help your young people to understand the why behind why we put barricades in place, if we don't understand the why behind why we put barricades in place, then no amount of screen time, 
no rigid co content blockers, no amount of internet filtering is going to be 100% successful all the time. But the more we can reinforce the barricades, we, we can talk about them regularly. We can have open dialogue with the people we love and the people that we're raising. We can have open conversation about why we do what we do. The more we can help the people we love to understand and submit to leadership and listen to people that talk about the significance and the importance of putting barricades in our life, the more we can secure them, the stronger they'll be, the more they will hold. But I believe God's intent for this was even more than that. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15 writes this, fools, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise, it's the word of the day, but the wise listen to others. Reinforcing your barricades is another layer of reinforcement that I think we often miss. Reinforcing our barricades isn't just the reminders and the frequent conversations, repeating the expectations of why we have them. If you ever find yourself looking for employment in Indiana, I always recommend working for the road crews because it seems like every major highway in Indiana is under construction every 10 to 24 months. We live, my family's in Illinois, and every time we go back to visit Illinois, it's really a straight shot. If you can take 26 all the way into Illinois, you're gonna be really close to where my family is. And every time we go visit Illinois, in the eight and a half years we've lived in Kokomo, not one time have I been able to go from Kokomo to Illinois without a detour on 26. There's always barricades in place, and every time I drive the car up to the barricade and you see the big sign, road closed, local traffic only, my first thought is, well, in comparison to Arizona, I'm local traffic. I think I'll go around. You know the one thing that's always detoured me from taking that risk to check and see if the road was actually closed or not. You know the one thing that always makes me actually take the detour and not go past the barricades is when there's a reinforcement patrol car parked on the other side. <laughs> I love our police officers, but I don't want to see you then. That is not the time and place I was looking to find you. Now, all jokes aside, they're not there to give me a ticket because I try to go past the barricade. They're there to help me detour around the safest route to get where I need to go. They're there to assist me to travel safely. Accountability in my life is not to put a bad guy in my life who makes me feel guilty all the time. Accountability is to be a reminder to reinforce the barricades that I need. James, I love how he takes it a step further. He's saying, listen, accountability is not just people who are gonna point the finger and give you a ticket when you go somewhere you're not supposed to. But he explains it like this, James chapter five and verse 16. James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If you've been following Jesus long, you know that if you sin, it's a really simple process. If I sin against God, I ask God for forgiveness. I admit to him what I've done and God forgets it as far as the east is from the west. But if you don't wanna repeat the sin, if you wanna see change, if you wanna take the path to repentance, if you wanna be different, then James says, confess it to God, but also confess it to someone else but I need to admit it to somebody too. Accountability isn't avoiding the police so I avoid a ticket. Accountability is allowing someone a position in my life that when I start getting close to a barricade, they can say, hey, what are you doing? Where are you going? You know that it's not gonna take you any place that your future would appreciate. Accountability in my life is allowing someone to have clear and loud influence that when I feel myself drifting towards an exit ramp, when I start to swerve into an intersection that I shouldn't be taking, to call them and say, man, I need help. I feel the temptations is overwhelming. I feel the, the, the draw, the pull, my steering wheel is just wanting to guide that way and my emotions are taking me that way, I need help. But James wasn't saying stand up on Sunday morning and have a big confessional and everybody walks up one at a time and blurts all their sin out to the congregation. But if you had one or two people in your life that you could call and say, man, I just feel like I'm swerving off the road. 
I feel the prompt of the Holy Spirit saying this isn't the direction for you, but I just don't have the strength to muscle back on. Man, I need your help. Having one or two people that you can talk to to call in the reinforcements. Seeking spiritual accountability is giving someone the, pay, the place and the attention in my life who will tell me what I need to hear and not just what I want to hear. Church, I'll, I'll just tell you right now, if you're trying to get from here to the there that God has for you without somebody in your life who can tell you what you need to hear and not just what you wanna hear, you're never gonna get there. You're gonna exit way too soon. Know where you need barricades. Know where you need barricades, and if you don't know where you need barricades, talk to the Holy Spirit and ask him to show you where you need barricades. And if that's not working, talk to that one or two people that can be honest and real and tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear, so that you can put barricades in your life that will help you stay on the path that God has set before you. Understand why I need them. This is not a day and a time to flirt with sin. I'm not flirting with a line. I'm not approaching it thinking, how close can I get? God has got too much in store for you. The future is too great for you to make a decision today that affects and regrets tomorrow. And find someone who, in love, will get all up in your business when you try to swerve off into sin and make it difficult for you. So be careful how you live. Don't live like the fools who are wise, but make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything, God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God, that's our prayer. God, that is our prayer that we are grateful for all that you have done. We are grateful for the things that you have given us. We are grateful for the things you have provided. We are grateful for the grace and love you have shown. And God, in those moments where we think we're invincible and we can take on this life on our own, God, my prayer is that you prompt us, nudge us, flick us in the back of the head. Whatever you need to do to get our attention, to recognize the barricade, to avoid the ramp, and to stay on the destination that you have laid out before us. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice that made this all possible. In your name we pray, amen.